You are listening to the sermon podcast of Nielsville Presbyterian Church, a Christ-centered church in Germantown, Maryland. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org. So in the next three weeks, we're going to be focusing on those three statements. Today, we're going to be working, working through worship. But before we do that, I've asked, or Katie has volunteered, and we worked on, she worked on this song. Yeah, I had nothing to do with the song. You read it after. (laughs) But it's based on our our theme, our worship, Grow, Go. And so to me singing, like I like to do it, um, we're going to have Katie, who does a much better job. She's composed this song. It's a very meaningful song. And so hopefully as as she sings it next week, we're going to sing it as a congregation. But follow along as she leads us in this song.
So we come to this passage in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And as that song is based on this passage, let us turn our attention to how we see the, how a diverse community created by, created by the Holy Spirit is worshiping, growing, and going together. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling the possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for this time together where we can gather around your word. And even as, as I saw the video of the, of, the, of the Sons of Thunder and the Beals uh, worked there, Lord, we pray that you would uh, bless them because they are about bringing the word both in word and deed to have people in Zambia impacted by the gospel. That's our desire here this morning. But we pray that you would bless their ministry, that you would encourage them in, in their work there, that you would continue to raise the funds they need to supply all that they're doing there. Thank you for raising up indigenous people to be uh, preaching the gospel and investing in the community as well. Just bless that ministry richly. Grow them in the grace of the gospel. But I pray now as we're centered around your word this morning that you would do your work of grace as well. That we would be changed as a result of our time together. Holy Spirit, do that work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've heard it said before, we are what we eat. We are what we eat. Do you believe that? Are we what we eat? If you just had McDonald's french fries this week, do you see a little french fries drawing out of your head? That's better. You did better than the first service. <laughs> did you prepare them? Anybody prepare them? Make sure I laugh at this point. <laughs> Sorry about that. 
but are we? You look at a house, and you don't see the lumber of that house, and it doesn't resemble the trees that the lumber is made of to make the house. But there is that truth, right, in that sense, that what we eat, there are nutrients in our bodies that, that works. Whether we might resemble their foods, we get abstracts from those nutrients, right? But my purpose here is not about eating healthy. My purpose in giving that illustration is about vibrant worship. Because what we worship, we become what we worship. If my life is centered around myself, and all my relationships and experiences are about meeting my needs, that will be disastrous. If our worship is one of money, of power, of relationships, of, of children, then my worship would be all centered around the pursuit of them. And life would be very unsatisfying. Thankfully, God has created us something for something better. We are created to worship him with all of our lives. Moreover, we're created to worship him in our with the community of believers. And as we worship God in spirit and truth, something special, beautiful happens. We are changed and made more and more like his son Jesus. Friends, we are created to worship God. And here at Neal's World Presbyterian Church, we are committed to glorifying God in our worship by welcoming all nations, by devoting ourselves to the word of God, and by responding in awe of him. So first we glorify God by worshiping all nations, by welcoming all nations. Now, as I read this passage in Acts, right, Acts 2, 2, 242 says they devoted themselves. So who are the they? Who, who are the they who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching? Well, to get ahead of that, we need to go back some verses and, and begin at chapter 2, verses 1 and 12. Because we, they give us the answer. The they who, are, who are, are, worship, are getting together, growing together, are those of a different ethnic and cultural diversity in the early church. Listen to what... Luke says in this part of chapter, one, chapter 2, verses 1 and following, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were together all in one place. And suddenly there was, came from heaven a, loud, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on them, rested each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak and other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from what? From every nation under heaven. And all this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Not all these who are speaking aren't all those who are speaking Galileans. How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Then he lists all these nations, all these ethnic groups, not only Jews, but also talks about those Gentiles who've been converted to Judaism. All of them have heard the message of salvation. So who heard, who responded at Pentecost? All kinds of people representing many different regions, nations, ethnic Jews, but also Jews, also Gentiles that, were, that converted to Judaism. They heard the gospel in their own language. 
And, and they celebrate it, right? They, they marveled at the great deeds God was doing. You see, the multilingual witness coheres with a universal offer of salvation in the church's message. It also highlights the church's multicultural character. God affirms people as cultural beings. That is why many Bible translators know our native language and culture is a natural, necessary, welcome way to us as air as we breathe, air. And so no wonder that when people receive scripture portions in their own language, they rejoice and say, God speaks my language. Again, the people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They came from a variety of places, cultures, and ethnic groups. God saved people from many different regions, many different places, many different ethnic groups. One of the great things, what, one of the wonderful things that Val and I, when we come to worship here, have appreciated is the diversity that we have in this congregation. We have people representing many nations, many ethnic groups, many cultural groups. That's exciting for us. But as we think about that, as this diverse congregation that God is growing among us, we must ask, how are we incorporating all those represented in our worship and in the life of the church? The authors of One Body, One Spirit, Principles of Successful Multiracial Churches, encourages, churches that desire multiracial or to maintain a racial, ethnic, cultural, integrated congregation tend to look for ways to incorporate different racial, ethnic cultures into their worship. So they share this example, that one church made of mostly Hispanics, their leadership and congregation made up mostly of Hispanics, had an African-American lead their worship. His presence brought an element of black gospel style that was combined with Christian contemporary praise and worship. This gave the church a multiracial, multicultural style of worship. And as a result of the worship style, the church created an atmosphere of acceptance of non-Hispanics despite the fact that all four of the paid clergy were Hispanics. Moreover, the example of the exclusive worship that they were trying to do singled to the visitors, those who come, and members of the church, that it is not dominated by any one culture. This church passionately desired to welcome all nations, all ethnic groups, all racial groups, all culture groups to their worship. In fact, that is why we at Nielsville Presbyterian Church are committed to have all our nations represented in our worship service, in our leadership. That's why we have those representing um, our African countries, our cultural differences, to come and, and, to, and to share and to be involved and be in, in front and center. Because we want to let people know that we're about inviting all people from any place to this worship. Why? Because we know that there's value in each of us. God has created us uniquely for a reason and for a purpose. And we are benefited by one another as we learn to grow together in our differences. That we see that Christ unites us and enables us to learn from one another, to be blessed by one another. So you see, we need one another for us to understand and grow in our worship of God. I like what Francis Chan says in his book, letters to the church, he says this, for this is God's plan that through the cross, people of every nation and tongue become members of one body. Amazing. 
God himself is joining his creation, allowing them to be part of his glorious body, unreal. This has been his plan from eternity. There was going to be a day when God Almighty would dwell with people of all races, and they would be brought into complete unity, forming one temple, which would be a dwelling place for God. That is our future reality. But today, every Sunday, is an opportunity for a dress rehearsal of that day where we draw people from all nations into our congregation to experience the one and only Jesus Christ. We have a long way to go. We have done some things, but we need to continue to figure out ways to incorporate our cultural, ethnic differences in a way that blesses one another. That is our goal here, that everyone who would come into this church would know that they are welcomed and that we would remove any barriers other than the gospel from them to see the truth of, of who God is in Christ. But not only are we to be a church that welcomes all nations to our worship of God, but we're also inviting them to experience the living word of God. Look again at verse 42. In verse 42, we see the first mark of the Christian community and its commitment to the God, the gospel, to Jesus' word. And it was entrusted uniquely to the apostles. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. So what is this apostles' teaching? What is, what is Luke trying to infer about this? Well, first of all, the specification of teaching of the apostles highlights the unique authority and status that the apostles had among the first believers. After all, it is the apostles themselves who uniquely received Jesus' commandments through the Spirit. The first recipients of the gospel turned to these apostles for guidance on how they ought to respond to the gospel. In fact, the phrase teaching of the apostles then communicates not only the priority of teaching and learning among the first believers, but also the authority of the apostles. Luke's point is this, that the apostles regarded teaching as one of their main responsibilities. The believers continuously listened to the apostles and the believers practiced what they learned. In fact, they're just following what the, the, the synagogues were doing during that time. They always had a sermon. And so the apostles just took that, that same practice and put it involved in the, side, in, in, in the new church, in the early church. That is why we have a sermon, right? That is why we preach the word of God. Because we know that that is central in all that we do. And what is the word of God? What is the apostles' teachings? Well, the apostles of teachings devoted themselves to teaching the gospel, teaching about Jesus and his message. And the good news is this, right? That Jesus was born as a babe, lived that perfect life, sacrificially died for our sins, and rose again and ascended on high to save a people from their sins and to bring them into eternal life. The message of the apostles is a call of preaching the gospel so that they will respond, people will respond in repentance and faith. In fact, Jesus came to call sinners to faith and repentance. I love what John Wesley said. He said about the word of God. He said about the gospel. He said, give me that book. Every Sunday we should come this, and say, give me that book. I love when Bob tells me, preach the Bible, preach the word, give me the word. That's what you guys all should be expecting every Sunday. Give me the word, because we know that the word is what changes us. It's the message of Jesus that changes us through his spirit. So we, as a diverse community of believers, 
not only are devoted to the Word of God, we see in this passage, but we're devoted to prayer and to the breaking of bread. You know, there's some debate or some talk on what that actually meant, the breaking of the bread. Is it a communal meal or is it actually the Lord's Supper? Or does it include both? Most commentators would say it's best understood as a reference to the ordinary meals that believers regularly shared. But it adds this, during which they remembered Jesus' death on the cross for the forgiveness of sins and for the establishment of the new covenant linked with Jesus' command to remember him and his sacrifice during the meal. So when they came together, when they were breaking bread, it was just not that they were feasting, but they were reminding each other of the work of Christ and who Christ is and what he did. Yeah, we do it in the Lord's Supper. That's how we incorporate it here in our church on a monthly basis. But the idea that as we come together as Christians on Sunday, we do that through the preaching of the word and, and as we do the Lord's Supper, we're reminding ourselves of Jesus and his work, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his continual intercession, his continual work on our behalf. And as we do that, not only do we grow personally with the Lord, but we grow together, more intimately together. You see, the preaching of the word, the reminding ourselves of the Lord's life and death through the celebration of the Lord's Supper, and even prayer are essentials for us here at this church. This is where we come to know God together. Yes, together, personally, but together. We are diverse bodies where we can learn from one another and we grow together more intimately. See, God, we believe that God uses the word of God. It's trustworthy, it's true, it's inerrant, without errors. We believe that God uses the Lord's Supper. We, God, we, pray that God, we, we believe that God uses prayer to make us more like Jesus. See, the message of the Bible, God's word of redemption, is what, is what to define and motivate us as a church. Uh, Covenant Seminary, where I attended seminary, our hymn was entitled, All for Jesus. All for Jesus. When we come together, every Sunday together, a diverse body of believers, we want you to leave and know that it's all for Jesus. Because it's all for Jesus where we receive much, much grace. We want believer and even unbeliever to be captivated by this Jesus through his word. Our goal is to have the word of God preached in such a way that it is Christ-centered, yet very clear and practical. And as, that, as the Bible, as the word of God, as Jesus is preached, that that would move us to awe, that we respond in awe. Again, I love how Francis Chan puts it, also it's kind of an admonishment, but an exhort exhortation. Hear what he says. Heavenly beings are shocked by God's church, while many on earth yawn. The early church, the church in Acts, didn't need the energetic music, the great video, the attractive leaders, or elaborate lighting to be excited about being part of God's body. Here, what he says here. The pure gospel was enough to put them in a place of all. The pure gospel, the message of Jesus, Jesus himself was enough to put us in all. Yes, a multi-nation community, a multi-ethnic community devotes itself to the word of God and as we devote ourselves to the word of God, it should cause us to respond in all of him. 
Look at verses 43 and 47. It says, All came upon every soul, those who were newly converted, right? And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Praising God, says 47, having favor with all the people. In verse 43, Luke notes fear or awe was coming upon every soul. This fear occurs throughout Luke's gospel to express awe in response to God's intervention and God's miracles through Jesus or Jesus' miracles. Undoubtedly, it has a similar sense here and provides much insight into the devotion described in verse 242 and the overwhelming generosity that it follows. But the intimacy for this group was a joyful, listen, a joyful, trembling sense of awe. Luke's point is that this, this unique Christian community continued to experience a deep, supernatural sense of awe Respect, reverence, and joy. And we see that confirmed in verse 47 when it says that they kept praising God for how he was using his word, the good news, in and through their lives. In fact, this praising is very similar to when the angels and the shepherds responded when they heard about the birth of Jesus, the Savior is born. They responded with much praise the same way the church is responding in such praise for, because of the offer of salvation and the receipt of salvation they, that they received through Christ. See, we, 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 draw, we want to draw people to praise God for his mercy and for his grace and for his compassion because, of, because he, he delighted to save a people, you and me, into a forever intimate relationship with him. Saved us from hell, saved us from his wrath so that we can experience Grace and mercy and righteousness and goodness. So our goal here at Nielsville is to create a worship experience every Sunday that leads us to the awe of God. Many people say, not many, some have said, why do we do all these different elements in the service? Why do we do the call to worship, the confession of sin, assurance of pardon, the confession of faith, the benediction? We Use these elements to help us appreciate what God has, is and doing among us. We desire to make the drama of God's redemption come alive with rich liturgy and music with content and depth. God calls us to worship. When we do the call to worship, God is inviting us to worship him, to be in all of him. And as, as, as we realize who this God is, we are and then recognize our need for forgiveness, our need for cleansing, personally and as a corporate body. And then we hear him speak in the word and through the sacraments, being encouraged by how much he loves us and cares for us and equips us to be his servants so that we are sent out to love God and to love others in which he put in our lives. You see, each act, each thing that we do, even the confession of faith that I choose from many different regions and nations. Last week was Zambia. This week was Philippines. I do that to, to show the appreciation that people from all the world, all the nations, are drawn to worship a God who deserves our worship. So every section act is a dramatization by the powerful, reverent, joyous singing and meaningful prayer. See, our worship that we should experience should rival the best storytelling in Hollywood. In fact, it should be even better because we have the best story, the greatest story to share, do we not?
We are to be in awe of a God who has given us good news. In fact, this past week, I'm reminded in our worship committee, Michelle does a beautiful job in leading us in devotion. She reminded me, me of that. He said, because she, she drew our attention to this idea of beholding Jesus. We are, we are to behold the glory of God through Jesus. So with that in mind, our worship time together must help us to become who we are created to resemble. Yes, we are who we are, worship, we worship, right? Deep within each Christian is a longing to be more like Christ. And we must not be content as we are. We must want to change personally and together. And the Holy Spirit provides us the change and gives us the longing to change and then enables us to respond in awe of the grace that we have received in Jesus Christ. Here with Paul, how, listen to how Paul says it in his letter to the, to the church in Corinth. He says this, Now the Lord is a spirit, and when the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, and we, sorry, my eyes are getting blurry. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. And so as we unveiled face because of Christ, right, we're holding the glory of the Lord are what being transformed into the same image from degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is a spirit. So as we gather together, God himself through his spirit is at work in each of us as we fix our eyes, as we behold Jesus and his message. And as we do that together, the spirit is transforming us into the glorious image of his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Friends, I want to encourage you, those who know you and maybe those who do not yet know you, I want you to meditate, get thrilled, be awed and enthralled that our worship is a time that we grow together and then we, as we grow together we're being changed more and more into the image of our precious Savior, our friend Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. God, so often we come to worship and we do not expect anything. Yet, God, we are coming into the presence of the Holy of the Holies. We're coming in the presence of the eternal creator, redeemer. We're coming to the one who, who is just holy, other, infinite, all powerful, all mind, all knowing. And we come to worship unexpecting. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Forgive us. Help us that each Sunday as we come be, that we prepare ourselves to worship the God who calls us sinners, yet saved by grace, calls us people, fallible, finite people, calls us to worship you, God. An amazing reality. And as you call us, may, that, may we just appreciate all that we do in worship, the call, the confession of sin, the 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 assurance of pardon, the confession of faith that reminds us of this beautiful work, this beautiful story, Jesus, that you are working in each of us personally and together. God, may we come expecting you to do great things as we worship together. May, you, may we come expecting you to transform us more into the image of Christ. Help us come expecting how we can encourage others to know and taste and see that God is good through Christ. God, do that work in us at this church, I pray for your glory, and for our sake. Amen. Let us respond and sing. Let us stand.